Good morning. Is everybody okay this morning? Yeah? Did you get some coffee, some donuts? All right, guys. Well, I am excited. We are diving into uh, our last week of the series that we were in uh, called Sons and Daughters. Uh, but before I do, I got a few quick announcements I just want to uh, say. Um, and uh, first and foremost, is as we end a series, we always start a new series. And uh, so next Sunday, we are starting a new series called Freedom, a financial series. And there's a reason I'm announcing this one is because most of you in the room right now are like, oh, man, I was going to invite a friend next week, right? Let me put it this way. I get it. I get it. The minute you see finances in church world, it's like a whole nother thing. And I get it. Trust me. I 100% get it. But here's the reality. And here's the things that I know. I know that some of us in the room right now, uh, one of the most difficult struggles that we have is really what should we do with our money? And also, too, the reality is, is that in relationships and everything, one of the biggest pressures we get as individuals is money, is finances. I've, I've pastored for a while now. I can tell you that one of the most common, I wouldn't say struggles, the most common uh, fights and struggles within people is really the pressure for more money, the pressure for, what, you know, for more things and more, more, more stuff. And uh, I feel, uh, and our team feels, it is our uh, obligation as pastors and leaders to be able to come and say, you know what, we're going to hand our finances to the Lord and really teach it so then we're not fearful of it and we're not afraid of it and, uh, and then we take the pressure off, okay? So I know some of you guys are like, oh man, pastor, you can talk about hell, you can talk about sex, you can talk about whatever, don't talk about money. Well, let me tell you, Jesus speaks about it, the Bible is clear about it, and if you've been a vintage for a while, you know we have a heart of generosity and we, we use finances as a tool, and we trust God with it, and uh, so we want to be able to teach this, and, uh, and so I would say invite a friend. I would say let's, let's bring some freedom to our finances. Let's bring some freedom to uh, even the thought processes around it with church. If the first lens that I'm going to do is I'm going to debunk really what, what the big ideas are and the big struggles are with the lens that we have with, uh, with church uh, money, okay? So, uh, and again, we're an open book. We're going to be super transparent throughout this whole series about what this really looks like, okay? So again, please be in prayer with us about it because we do uh, care about this series and we want, uh, we want to help any way we can, okay? And then also next Sunday is Baptism Sunday. And I know we've got some people signed up for baptism, but if you have not been water baptized before and uh, maybe throughout this service, God starts tugging that on your heart, fill that out in that respond card. Uh, it's a great way to go public with your faith. It's kind of that inward, okay, God, I'm all in, and you go public with your faith, and it's a great time to invite friends and family and let them see uh, kind of that declaration moment that uh, your life is new. The old is gone, and the new's begun, and you're heading down a different path, different way, and so if that's you, uh, we look, we're excited to celebrate with you guys next week. So again, Baptism Sunday next, uh, next week, okay? So again, be in prayer for us next week. Um, I want you guys to do me a favor real quick, right where you're sitting. I know you got coffee and donuts in your hands, but can you guys do this with me real quick? I want to do something. I want to pray a blessing over us, okay? So one of the things that I realize in church and I realize in life is sometimes we walk into churches and we walk into places and sometimes we're walking in closed-fisted. But here's, here's my big thought for today. I believe that God wants us to have open hands today just to receive what he wants for us. And sometimes we've got, we've got so many things we're holding on to, so many stresses, so many worries, so many fears, a lot of Everybody's already planning their work week and exhausted from last week. And, and oftentimes it's hard to embrace what God has for you in the moment when you're already thinking about tomorrow. 
So what I want to do is I want to pray right now that you would receive today what God has for us, that I would receive what God has for me today. So I'm going to pray for us as we dive into this message, okay? God, we just come to you open hands right now in this room. Jesus, just, just symbolic right now with our hands open, Lord, that we are, uh, <clears throat> we're here and that we are open-handed to receive whatever you have for us today. Jesus, we trust you, we believe in you, and we just ask, God, that you would just be with us. Help us to just grab a hold of something today that gives us enough hope to move forward in our faith and in our journey with you. Uh, and God, we thank you for Jesus on the cross, and thank you for just allowing us to come into this place today. We love you, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. All right, guys, so again, we've been in this series called Sons and Daughters, and the big lens and the big thought behind this uh, actually comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, who had a radical encounter with Christ. So this guy used to be one of the most religious of all religious men. He used to actually even murder and would witness Christians being murdered, and he didn't care one bit. I mean, he just had this radical encounter with God. Jesus changes his life, and then all of a sudden, he's speaking to the local church. And I love this statement that he speaks to the church at Corinth, and he says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. This guy had such a radical encounter with God that God now turns to him and says, okay, I need you to encourage the church. And one of the things he encourages this church with is this statement. And this statement is very important for us today. This is the foundation in which we stand on today is that we can have a father and sons and daughters relationship with God. And that's important for us because a lot of times it's hard for us to approach God if he's only God in our life and he's only this far distant being that just sprinkles magical dust on us every now and then or whatever it is we oftentimes think that happens. But the reality is, is Jesus entered this world to bridge the gap so we could have a father and sonship and daughtership relationship with God. And that's why we're focused on this, uh, this thought process today, okay? And so, the, the passage that I want us to focus on is going to come out of Romans chapter 8, verse 15 today. And you're going to start to see a theme here. This is Paul, again, speaking to the church, uh, the Roman church. And he says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I'm going to land there for a second. Here's the Roman church. The Romans at this time, they were full of law, they were full of rules, they were full of regulations. And we talked about this, that if you get into a rhythm with God that's only checkbox, love gets lost in religion. Love gets lost in rules and regulations. Are those important? Of course they are. There's got, we got to have boundaries. And, but what happens is oftentimes can get lost. Well, Paul speaks to the church and he basically says, look, hey, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. You don't need to go back to that. He gave you a spirit of adoption. And that means something to the Romans, and I'm going to unpack this here uh, in a minute. And, um, you know, before I do, I want to ask this question to you. And the question is this, is it possible that what we see every day is not everything that's there? Is it possible that you and I can look at God and look at our lives and look at everything we have throughout the day and miss something? Is it possible? And I believe that's kind of what happens when our relationship with God. And actually, just to kind of symbolize this a little bit further, is in uh, 1980, there's a, there's a CEO uh, um, named Fred Smith. He was the CEO of Federal Express. Everybody knows what FedEx is. And in the early 80s, uh, 70s and 80s, he was in this place where his company's name was called Federal Express. But he started noticing that everybody called it FedEx. 
So what he did is he turned around as a company owner and he went back to the marketing firm and he told the marketing firm, why don't you guys come up with uh, some different branding for us? Come up with a different logo for us, okay? So they did. And this marketing company came forward and they presented about five to eight different logos. I mean, they started with a lot, but they landed on kind of five to eight logos. And they landed on five to eight and Mr. Smith walks into the meeting real briefly and he sees all the logos and everything. And if you could, just put up the logo. And he walks up to the logo. He walks in and he sees all these different logos on, on, on the walls. And then he basically just walks in, starts to walk out. And he very much says, hey, I like the one with the arrow in it. And walks out. And the guy doing the presentation is sitting there like, uh, what, what arrow are you talking about? He says, the, the little arrow between the E and the X. I like that arrow. He saw something there that nobody else could see. It was right in front of him the whole entire time. And he went into that meeting and he basically said, look, I want the one with the arrow in it. And that's the logo that FedEx has taken. And what's interesting is that the minute you see the arrow, you can't unsee it. You get where I'm going with this? If this has been you, it was just like me. You've been staring at this logo the whole entire time and you can miss something that's in it. The reality is, is that FedEx is still there. FedEx, the name is still there, but there's something else involved here. And in our relationship with God, it's very important for us to realize that you could be staring at God and missing something the whole entire time. And so for us today, I want us to kind of have this consensus that is it possible that God wants us to see what's missing in the picture? Is it possible that God wants to see something different? See, Stephen Covey once said, we don't see the world as it is, we see the world as we are. That means we could see something every day of our lives and have not, have not one clue what we're even looking at. Just like the FedEx logo. You see, even if you think about uh, the old kids song, right? Twinkle, twinkle, come on, this is where you guys participate. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you... There you go, there you go. Did you know that song is a lie? Because stars don't twinkle. (laughs) Stars only twinkle because of the gas that surrounds the atmosphere. And so to us, it appears like they twinkle. But did you know they're constant all the time? And what I'm getting to is, again, perception, reality. You see, even twinkle, twinkle, little star is wrong, only because of where we stand in our position to look at those stars. They're constant. Those things do not twinkle when you get into the outer spaces of space or the outer, outer spaces of space. It's just from where we stand. So today, I want us to approach something that's very important for us, and that's that we possibly aren't seeing things the way that we need to. And if you are a a believer in this room, I want this statement to resonate in your heart today, and it's this. There are many of us here who have not an incorrect view of God, but maybe an incomplete view of God. Sometimes I think the enemy tries to come and say, because you can't see in, in his entirety, you can't see him at all. But the reality is that some of us just have, we don't have the wrong view. I'm not telling you you have the wrong view, just like the FedEx logo. But maybe some of us in the room have an incomplete view of God. Okay? And is it possible that how we see God is not everything that's there? Is that possible? I would say yes. And one of the reasons I would say yes is because when I first started my faith journey, 
I remember going to church for the very first time. I gave my life to the Lord on a Friday, walked into church, main church. You know, I got saved in a youth group on a Friday night. That's why we believe in youth, youth group. And, uh, but I got saved in a youth group on a Friday night, walked into church early on a Sunday morning. Pastor comes to me. I said, Pastor, I just want to serve. What, what's the way to ministry, right? What's the way to God's heart? Like, what do I need to do, right? I was just this fired up young man, ready to go. And he walks over to the closet, and he says, come here. So we walk over to the closet, and he opens the closet door, and he pulls out a vacuum. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's great. This is, this is awesome. He hands me the vacuum. And then he points over there to the corner, and there is a mop and a bucket. And he says, this is the foundation of your ministry right here. This is the foundation to you and God. Now, was it good? Sure. It was great. But what happened is I picked up that vacuum and I picked up that mop and I began to serve God through the lens of serving. Through the, I, my relationship with God was started there based off of, not a relationship just yet, but based on what I could do, what I could accomplish, how many boxes I could check off, how many times I cleaned the restrooms, and how many times I mopped that gym floor, and how many times I vacuumed that auditorium and how many I mean I just over and over every week every day as much as I could all I did was serve and what ended up happening was that my serving became my sole basis for relating to him it became the only way that I could relate to God and Pastor Frank talked about this last week about how like sometimes that's kind of how we get with an orphan spirit we kind of just you know and he used the the puppy dog illustration right you know just tell me I'm a good boy and everything's gonna be fine and that's kind of what happened I thought I could earn my relationship with God. I thought I could earn my relationship with my father by how well I served him. But the reality is, is that I didn't see his complete picture. I didn't see who he really was. I was only seeing it through my lens. I was only seeing it through this lens of serving, not the entirety of being a son in, in the Lord. And here's another statement, is that when you don't see God for who he really is, you can't know who you really are. It's really hard to see yourself complete if you're only seeing a fraction of who God is. And so for us today, I want us to really understand this uh, concept, okay? And so I'm going to read Romans again, but I'm going to read it through the lens of myself. So this is going to have a little bit of an ad lib into it. So everything that's in parentheses is basically me rereading the same passage we just read, but with a different mentality. This is me finding the arrow in the FedEx logo, Okay. It says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery, or maybe of religious duty, to fall back into fear, the fear of not being good enough and needing to earn approval. That's how I used to relate to God. But you have received the spirit of adoption, full acceptance, as sons and daughters, enfolding you into the family of God so that you should never feel orphaned, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, my dad. You see, what I started reading scripture through the lens of being a son, all of a sudden the logo starts, the arrow starts to show up. And that's what I want for each and every one of us, and I believe that that's real important for us. It's real important for each and every one of us, no matter where you stand with God in this room today, to understand that you have a spirit of adoption first. You have a spirit of adoption, which means when God looks at you, he sees a son and he sees a daughter first. He doesn't see leader. He doesn't see CEO. He doesn't see husband. He doesn't see wife. He doesn't see the boss. He doesn't see this. He doesn't see that. He sees son and daughter. And how many times do we measure our relationship with God about how 
how well we identify with all the other things, right? So today, I want us, again, to think through what this looks like. You see, I knew, in my faith journey, I knew Jesus, and I served Jesus. But then I just kind of knew who God was. You see, I started going through my faith journey where I looked at Jesus and said, okay, I love Jesus. Man, I love that guy. I love him. I know what he did on the cross. He sacrificed for me. Nobody else has sacrificed their life for me and given their life up for me. That's the way I'm going to get to God. Okay, I'm going to get to God. But what the Holy Spirit started convicting me is that you can easily serve Jesus and just know God. But why don't you serve Jesus and really, truly love God the way that he loves you? You see, now it turns into something different. Now, all of a sudden, my approach to the Bible, my approach to prayer is completely different. And see, what's interesting is that when you think about that church that Paul is talking to, and he uses the words like spirit of adoption, Paul is writing to an early church. He's writing to a church, and he already, the church had started drifting from relationship to religion. This church had started drifting from relationship in Jesus to religion for God. And Paul understood that, so he uses the terminology, the spirit of adoption. And the reason that's important is because it, it's, it, he uses this concept to help the church understand its identity. So I want to give you a little bit of backstory about why the spirit of adoption, why that terminology is so important. And I'm not going to go into the complete theology of it, but Paul knew exactly who he was talking to. Context is key here. And Paul understood that the Romans, they had rules and regulations for what sons and daughters really look like. And here's what was interesting that I found out. I found out that if, if, you, had bi- if you had a biological child yourself, you could, you could disown that child at any time. But what most people did is most people actually waited until they got to like their 20s and 30s, they allowed their kids to get into the 20s and 30s, and then they would disown them. Because they knew that other families were looking for kids. You see, it was all about your, uh, your lineage. And a lot of families couldn't have kids. A lot of families di- didn't, weren't able to, and, and there was a lot of issues going on there. And so uh, you could disown your kid, and what happened is that in Roman culture, you would end up having somewhat of a marketplace for kids. I know that sounds so crazy. When I was reading it, you could literally find marketplace for kids in the Roman culture where basically what happened is that if you were a parent looking for a kid, you basically went and bought a kid. And you bought one. But here's what's interesting is under that same Roman culture is that the second you adopt that child, you can never disown them ever again. The second you take that child, a few important things happened. And that's what I love about Christ here, and I love about Paul using the spirit of adoption because there's something very important to realizing that in that concept, once you're under the spirit of adoption with the Lord, you can never be disowned. You can never be let go. And so here's the first thing I want us to understand is that you are freely chosen and fully desired by your heavenly Father. He wasn't under duress he, wasn't, he, he doesn't feel obligated. He created us to be sons and daughters. That was his whole, whole point. He fully desires relationship with us. He's all right with your past. He's not looking for, protect, for perfection. He's just wild about your heart. And in the words of our youth pastor, 
Doug, he's banana sandwich about you. I don't really know what that means yet. Unless banana sandwiches are like awesome, then Jesus loves you awesomely, right? But that's the thing is that, you know, he loves you and you're fully chosen. The second thing I want you to understand today is that you are completely forgiven by God, your heavenly father. Completely forgiven. You see, because often the person being adopted was an adult and not an innocent child, they they would bring baggage with them into these relationships. So a father... And a mother would adopt a kid, and sometimes those kids, again, in the culture, they would be 20 years old. Can you imagine the baggage they came to the table with? But here's what is beautiful about it, is that many times the person being adopted, they even had debt or even had a criminal record. And when you think about the marketplace of children, or if you're going to get kids, you probably wouldn't pick the guy with the criminal record, right? You probably wouldn't pick the guy with the debt. If you were me, you'd pick like... Pastor Frank, I would, a grown man, I'm going to buy Pastor Frank. Frank is going to be my golden child, right? Like, that's how we look at that. That's kind of what we do. We'd be like, where's Frank? Where's Frank? Where's Frank? There's Frank. Let me get Frank, right? But the reality is, is that's not how everybody was. Not everybody had this, everybody had baggage. Like I said, some people had debt. Some people had some, some hurts about them. But what was interesting is that the second they were adopted, you have to hear me on this. Roman law had provisions that would completely wipe out any prior commitments, responsibilities, obligations, criminal records, or debt. Think about that. That person standing there, no father, no mother, feeling like they've been disowned. And all of a sudden, a family comes up and says, see something in them. Says, I want them. I want you. And they take them into their family. And the second they cross that line into adoption, the second they move into it, their past is completely gone. What a beautiful picture. Even the law looked very similar to the goodness of God. And what I mean by that is that when, you, when Paul looks at this church and he tells, us, tells the Roman church that you received a spirit of adoption, these people immediately recognized it and said, so God loves me with no baggage. God loves me with no debt. God's forgiven all the things I've done. You see how powerful that is? All of a sudden, you can start to look at God in a completely different way. These these kids didn't have anything to prove when they crossed that line of adoption. All they had to do was accept it. And that's what forgiveness is all about. You don't earn it. There's nothing you and I can do that can, we can't check enough boxes for God to love us. He doesn't love you anymore and he doesn't love you any less. He loves you just as you are. And that's what's important for you and I today is to, is to accept the fact that everything from yesterday, everything that's been bothering you up to today, every mistake you think you've made, that the second you accept the spirit of adoption, the second you accept Jesus into your heart and in your life and you say, God, I'm all in for you, it's forgotten. You see, the Roman law had provisions for that. They would sign away everyone's guilt and shame. Can you imagine how that would feel to the Romans when Paul says this statement? That's how you and I should feel when we hear it from the Lord. You see, because he's an adoptive father who not only chose us, but he also redeems us. There would be a statement of, statement of faith, so to speak, or a statement, an action statement that would happen on the adoption papers. And the adoption papers were, were full restoration And what full restoration meant was that that person is brand new and put back to the original intents. 
when they were adopted. And that's what you and I have. When Jesus, when we come into the family of God, when we step into faith and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and say, we're entering this family, we, we, in, in, in hindsight, we basically are stepping into and fully restored by the Lord. He doesn't see us any other way except fully restored. Number three is this, you are permanently and unconditionally loved by your heavenly Father. This one may be the most important, I think, You see, because an adopted child would be a permanent part of the family at this point. How many times do we come to God and say, God, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me. And maybe we drop the ball and maybe we make a mistake or maybe something happens. And then what we do is we try to step away from adoption. We try to step away. I'm not good enough. I can't be your son. Let me go back and earn it. Let me go back to that closet. Let me go grab that vacuum again, God, and prove to you how much I love you. And that's where I think we can get caught up in distancing ourselves from who God is in our lives. You see, parents couldn't disown a child they adopted, unlike the biological child. You see, there's no undo button to your father's love. That means that maybe your earthly father, maybe, maybe they did, maybe they, they pressed that button at one time, maybe they let you down, maybe they weren't around, whatever it looks like. The reality is we have a heavenly father that never ever loses his love for us. You see, there's nothing you could do to make him love you and more than, than there is nothing you've done or will do that could make him love you any less. According to the Romans, he loves you like he loves all of his children. That's what the point of spiritual adoption looks like for you and me. And I love this, what Jesus basically says in John chapter 17, verse 26. He says, I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. What a beautiful statement that Jesus makes. Lord, Father, I've revealed you. I've come, I'm here to show you, to show them who you are. And now that I've revealed them, your love is with them. You see, we have to accept it. And this is the hard part for us. Sometimes we just don't want to accept it. Sometimes we, we discredit, discredit ourselves right away. I'm not good enough, I can't. I've dropped the ball before. I'm this, I'm that. But here's the reality. It's already been revealed, so you just got to take it. You got to just hold on to it. You got to let God speak to you, and you got to let God love you just the way you are. Too many, too many of us have measurements with God. God will love me if I do this. No, no, no. God loves you already. All you have to do is be a son and a daughter in this room. You have to. You see, this is what's important for us. It's important for you and I to grab a hold of the fact that we're sons and daughters and we're loved just the way we are. We have to, guys. And I say this with, with all my heart, is that too many of us walk around feeling like we're in that marketplace. Too many of us are, are, are standing, standing lined up with other people and comparing, pick me, pick me, pick me. No, 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 you don't need to do that. You're loved just the way you are. So again, is it possible that we aren't seeing God as the Father? Is it affecting how we live our lives every day? And as I begin to close today, I wanted this to be a very practical message. I wanted it to be thought-provoking for you to find God your Father, not only today, but tomorrow morning, Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, Thursday, Friday. Find that lens with your Father. You see, what's important about lenses, what's important about how we see things is that is the minute it's tweaked, 
you see with clarity. And the minute you have clarity, it energizes you in a different way. And here's another story for you. In April, uh, 20, on April 24th, 1990, NASA launched its most powerful space tele- telescope they had ever created. It was supposed to be able to see from space what the most powerful telescopes on Earth were never able to see. Scientists say that looking into space from Earth is like looking through a piece of dirty stained glass because you have to look through the atmosphere and it causes distortion. So the Hubble telescope was created and it was going to go up into the atmosphere 360 miles above the Earth's surface and lap every 96 minutes and just shoot pictures into outer space. And what happened is that this thing cost about $1.5 billion to do. So they send it up, it starts doing its thing, and it starts snapping a bunch of pictures. And here's one of the very first pictures that it came back with. And the scientists were pretty ticked off, because like we just spent $1.5 billion to get a blurry picture. And what happened is the scientists had to go back and realize and recheck the calibration of the Hubble telescope. And so they discovered a mistake. One-tenth the size of a contact lens. The lens was off. So they basically created this additional contact lens and kind of put it up over the telescope and it inverted the the picture and they they sent it back up into space. One-tenth the size of a contact lens. And they fix the view and they send it back up start shooting pictures again, and it gets the same picture back, and it looks like this. And all of a sudden, just one little tweak in the lens, one little tweak, one little overlay, full clarity. Amazing, right? One little change. One view change. One minor adjustment, and all of a sudden, there's clarity. I've been saying it. That maybe it wasn't that I saw God correctly, I just didn't see him completely. Maybe, maybe what you're missing in your relationship with God right now is not that you see him incorrectly, you just don't see him clearly. And the tweak is understanding where you stand. The tweak is, is going after God's word and looking at this Bible, looking at this truth that he speaks to us, not as a checklist, not as a resume, not as a, if I do this, he loves me, But no, let me look with clarity. When I pray, let me pray with clarity. Even Jesus, even Jesus gets to the point with his disciples and they're trying to cast out demons and do all this spiritual stuff and they hear Jesus pray and they get excited about it because they didn't even really understand what prayer was at this point. And they walk up to Jesus and say, Lord, can you teach us to pray? And he says, yeah, let me show you. This is the model, the layout. Just pray like this. Our Father. You know, that's Jesus' favorite word with his God. Father. And I believe in our relationship with God, that's his favorite name to be called from us. His Father first. Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? Thy kingdom come. Right? Come on. You guys know this prayer. You and I have to position ourselves that every time we pray, every time we start a conversation with God, it should start with our Father. My Father. My Father, I know you're there. I know you're with me. You and I have to posture ourselves that way on a daily basis. If we're going to accept being sons and daughters, realize that all you need is a little bit of a tweak in your lens. And that's it. 
You see, I started wearing glasses when I was probably third, third grade, I think. And what was funny is that when I got into high school, um, you know, I was way too cool for glasses. And so I didn't want to wear my glasses. Well, my parents, we, uh, I couldn't afford contacts at that time because, you know, I'm a 90s and early 2000s kid and those things were like, you know, $900. Now you can buy them for nine bucks or whatever it is. I don't know. Anyways, I didn't, I didn't have them, but I played basketball. And so, uh, yes, 90 pounds ago, I played basketball. And I played basketball, and you know what's funny is that um, as I played basketball, I got used to playing basketball without contacts or glasses. And the bad part about it was is that if I was shooting a free throw on the opposite side of the court or I was somebody else was shooting a free throw, I'd have to ask my opponent how much time was on the clock and what the score was because I couldn't see it. And I would know how urgently I had to, when they brought the ball in, how fast I needed to get to the other side of the court. And I would always ask. And these guys would look at me so weird. I'd be playing defense. I'm like, how much time is left, bro? And they were like looking at me like, what? What are you talking about? And I'm like, how much time is left? Seriously, how much time is left? And they're just looking at me. And I'm like, how much time is left? They're like, three minutes. I'm like, okay, we're good. Okay, we're good, right? And the reality, I just couldn't see. I just really couldn't see. Here's, here's the, the, the bad part about it was is that finally in my senior year, I finally get get contacts, and it was like a whole nother world, and all of a sudden, I could just see differently, I could, I mean, it, it helped me on how I played, it helped me on how, what, you know, how um, I even saw myself in terms of just uh, the court, and I mean, it was just, it was just like this thing where it started shaping how I played the game, and that's what I want us to understand, is that the Bible, prayer, these are the things that honestly bring clarity to whatever court you're playing on. Sometimes we're curious about what the score is when all we really have to do is open this. Sometimes we're curious, what's the next play? Well, open this. But if this is, you have to understand, this is also the enemy's temptation to you. Do not care about this. And I would say this. There was a point in, when I, before we moved here to Texas to plant a church, um, I found myself real busy at a, at a larger church, and I started getting away from this. But I got to a point where I was teaching a little bit more, but I wasn't reading this as much. And I remember being surprised one day. What I mean by that is I went out and I started teaching a message, and I put a scripture up on the screen, and I realized that I, had, I didn't mean to put that in my notes. And I read that scripture for the very first, thought, first time live, four or five different services that day and I found myself surprised that I could stand on that stage at that time and be that disconnected from God's word and think it was okay and immediately God gave me conviction and says look if you're going to take steps forward if you're going to move forward in your faith you need to anchor to this in a way that you never have before because this is my love letter to you this is where this is where you find your truth this is where you find your hope this is where you find what you need to do to move forward. You see, but in the church world and in our culture today, it's, it's so accessible, it's far away. It's so easy to get to it, it must not be that important. It's, I'll wait till Sunday, pastor's gonna throw some stuff up on the screen, right? Um, you and I have to read this from the lens of being sons and daughters. And I wanna close with this story. I didn't bring the pictures of it, but it hit me this week. Um, actually, would you stand with me? I'm going to have, can you play a little bit? 
I want to close with this story and then we're going to close with a song and like we typically do and that gives you your guys' time to respond. We believe that's important. But I want to close with this story today because I believe it's very similar to God's word but also just the heart of a father. I read a story this week about a girl, I believe she was 23 or 24 years old and four years ago her father passed away. And her father passed away and she kept his number in her phone. So for the last four years, Every time something difficult happens, every time something would, would happen in her life, she'd send a text message to her father. And this week, or last week, or whenever it was, a guy on the other end who's been reading those text messages for four years, a few years ago, he lost his 12-year-old daughter. So what he did is he decided under that name, under that phone number, he responded back to this girl. And he responded back and he encouraged her that he had lost his daughter and that he understands grief. But he had read all her text message, everything that she had ever written. And he was encouraged by her. And he, she, he, she, he said a statement to her that was very impactful to her. Your dad would be proud because I'm proud of you and I know what you're capable of. And I believe wholeheartedly that that's kind of what this Bible does for us. Sometimes prayer looks like us sending a text message for four years. Sometimes it looks like it, we're, we're just, hey, every time it's hard, I'm going to read. Every time it's hard, I'm going to pray. Every time. And God, I know, I know that you're there, but by faith, I'm going to do it. And eventually, God responds. And when he responds, he looks at you and says, hey, you're adopted. You don't need to worry about yesterday. You don't have to take that, that pain no more. You don't have to worry. Don't let that job tear you down. Don't let, that, don't let your, your finances stress you out. Don't let those, those people, you know, hurt your mind and your heart. Forgive. And all of a sudden, you can stand there as an as a adopted son and daughter, and you can embrace life completely different. You can embrace hope completely different. If you're a father and a mother in this room, you're going to father and mother completely different because you're not, there to, you're not there to prove anything to God, so your kids don't need to prove anything to you. They're loved just the way they are, and they're going to be better, and they're going to do what they need to do, and it's not going to be that bad. God will work it out because he does. All you need to do is anchor to something. All you need to do is, is fix that lens. Some of you have just been looking at God with an incomplete view, and it's my job today, my opportunity today, is that God does not have a distorted view of you. And if he doesn't have a distorted view of you, you don't need to have a distorted view of him. Some of you are looking at God because of the way you see yourself. You don't think God can come through for you because you feel like you're not going to come through for God. You don't feel like he can have faith in you because you're walking around with no faith. Let me tell you, he sees the best in you. He wants the best for you. You have enough faith. You have enough hope. Just step into it. Accept it. Accept it. So as, as this next song plays, why don't you take a moment, just right where you're at, to push everything else aside. Take the old lens off and realize whatever that missing arrow was for you, grab a hold of it. What's the missing arrow for you? What is it that you've been missing? Maybe you're in the room right now and you're saying, yeah, but I, I just don't understand how, how a loving God could love me. Well, here are the words coming out of my mouth. You are an adopted son and daughter. You're already accepted. Hear that. You have nothing to prove today. You just need to accept it. My son, my daughter, Nehemiah and Isabella, 
Every morning they get up. They may complain when they get up. They may be tired when they get up. But they know whose house they're in. And they know they're going to be fed. And they know they're going to be taken care of. My kids have faith in me. Which means when I get up, I got to have faith in God because he has faith in me. And I want you to know he believes in you today. Just distort the lens. Fix the lens. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Right? There's nothing that God can't redeem. Nothing. No friendships, no fears, no finances, no worries. Anything that you feel is dead and could never be brought back to life, we serve a Jesus who showed us that he can bring anything back to life. So have some hope today. Have some faith today. Step into being sons and daughters. And I want to pray for us. Jesus, we just come to you right now. And I pray for each and every individual in this room. God, we haven't had a bad view of you. Maybe we just haven't had a complete view. I pray for whatever arrow is missing out of our lives right now. And that the minute we see it, we'll never not see it again. Each and every one of us now, every time we see a FedEx logo, we'll probably see the arrow first. I pray, God, that that's what would happen in this room today with us and you. That now, God, that when we look towards you and we look at your word and we look in worship, we'll see the missing arrow. And maybe that arrow for somebody in this room is just forgiveness today. Maybe they just need to be forgiven. Maybe they've been carrying too much baggage. Maybe they've been standing in a line with other people trying to prove their worth. Pick me, pick me. And God, you see something in them. And when you've adopted us, you let that stuff go. I pray that each and every one of our statements of faith today is that we can get yesterday back, but we can get the next few moments. And what the next few moments can do can determine the outcome of the rest of this week. So I pray right now that by your spirit rising up in each and every one of us that we'd make a faithful decision, not a faithless decision. That we would step in and that we would simply say, Jesus, I love you. I'm here. And my father, Abba Father, I'm here. Use me, guide me. And let's just embrace the love that our father has for us today. Jesus, I pray this prayer over each and every person. They would embrace the love you have for them. Right now, they would embrace it. That they're worthy, they're worth it. There's nothing they could do to earn it. But God, your grace is free to us. All we have to do is accept it. So we don't come right this very moment with closed-fisted hands. We, we have open hands to receive whatever you have for us. That person who feels broken right now. God, you don't see them broken. You see them fully restored. That person's relationship that's been under stress, you don't see it as stressful. You see it as joyful. That person's job who's been sucking the life out of them, God, you don't see it that way. You see it as life-giving and a blessing. Those friends that have let us down and that we feel are not in our corner anymore, God, you see them as forgiven and you see them as children and it's our job to bridge that gap. So I just pray right now for each and every person as we sing this song, Lord, that we would all just embrace that we are sons and daughters in this room. So we love you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name.